don't want tomato soup, that's fine. I'm just, that's, I mean, that's fine for you to not want tomato soup. We have the ability to make more than one kind of soup, know. you know? I, I'm just saying, it's like, if you want cream, because you say you want potatoes, and my brain just starts thinking of all the different potato dishes, you know? It's like, okay, I'll, I'll be happy to do, what would you like? Would you like a croquette? Would you like, you know, I mean, it's like, that's why I was asking, mashed potatoes. But if you want, but do you want, like, cream of potato soup, or do you want, like, and I know you don't like clam chowder, but I'm saying, or do you want a kind of chowder that has potatoes in it? Because there's, you know, corn chowder, there's all different kinds of things like that. No, see, this is why we get it's near making it too complicated. I want <laughs> a soup that is broth or stock based, and then you add heavy whipping cream or whatever cream to it to make it a creamy soup. Okay, that's all that I'm thinking, and I want there to be mushrooms and I want there to be potatoes, and like my brain tells me like bacon would be really good with that because bacon and potatoes always go well together, and mushrooms taste great with bacon too. So, and there's some kind of thing going on because yeah, that's okay fire trucks driving by but and there's the moving trucks are still there too right um well i only see one of them okay so, so they don't have both and they don't it, is it smaller because it looks smaller to me because the first ones they had in were semis like full-on semis is, is it this because i saw a smaller one there it's not those were the same ones they had okay. they just had two of them okay and also a lot but further away than you think of course i make things more complicated i'm a chef <laughs> <laughs> chefs make things more complicated because we have more things to choose from. And I, but you have to think that I'm not a right, chef, so which is why I'm ask, asking what you want. Yeah, that I want it, that's and that's what I want. I want it to be broth based that you just add cream to to make it creamy. If you add, you know, cornstarch to make it thicker or whatever, but I want I want that kind. That's the kind of soups that I like, and I, I don't like beef broth as much as I like chicken broth. Mm-hmm. Or even vegetable broth or stocks. It's just, I don't know. I, I'm not a big beef soup fan. <laughs> it's I understand. not very tasty am, to me. But yeah. I know, which is why when we talk about soup, it's always so hard because I like almost the exact opposite of the things that you like. I don't really enjoy, like, I don't know. I, I, I guess it's more just that it's, I'm more basic when it comes to soups. Like, because I, I love. Uh, chicken pot pie and mm-hmm. turkey pot pie, but I hate beef pot pie. It's weird. It's gross to me. It doesn't work. You can't have something be creamy and beef at the same time. So it's just, I don't know. I Look, I love chicken. I mean, I love like chicken soups. I love like I like chicken ramen more than I like beef ramen. Amy likes beef ramen more than chicken ramen, but chicken ramen and beef ramen don't have chicken or beef in them. So, <laughs> I mean, you know, they're it's just the flavor, but it's like. When it comes to flavor, just so you understand, I like the flavor profiles of each one individually. Like, they don't look at them as the same, you know, kind of thing at all because they are completely different to me. Um, it's like red and white wine, honestly. Okay. So I understand that. I'm just that when I'm asking is because you're not feeling good, right? We're going to talk about something that you're not, yay, excited about yet. <laughs> Um, hopefully you will be. And, you know, I'm sitting there going, okay, so what do you want? What would make you happy? What would make you feel better? And, you know, that, that kind of thing. So that's, that's what I'm looking at. And so, um, 
that's why I ask. So, I mean, if you want potatoes in soup and you want a cream soup, like like if you want a cream and mushroom soup with potatoes in it, okay, cool. If you want a, uh, you know. I know what the word is I'm looking for. Okay. A loaded baked potato soup. That's what I, that's the vibes. Okay. Bacon, and I would want mushrooms in it just because I like creamy anything with mushrooms. But like. No, that potato, exists. Potato, bacon, Easy. green onions. Okay. Add an itty, itty, now, do you itty want actual, do you want actual baked potato or do you want it? You know, potatoes that'll hold up in soup. Yeah, potatoes okay. that'll hold up in soup. Okay, and so you want oven baked, baked potatoes, potatoes toppings. Okay, there you go. That's what. That's the vibe. Okay, so and then you're so you're wanting you're wanting a creamy potato soup yes. with bacon, uh-huh. green onions, uh-huh. cheese, yes. and not sour cream, no, but a buttery, little bit of sour cream. a little bit of sour cream, and and, and buttery. Lots of butter. Okay, and that's the vibe. Would I suggest then some caramelized shallots or onions on it? Yes, please. Okay. So going that route. So yeah, so that's easy enough to do. And then I'm gonna make black eyed peas. Okay. Because I just want we gotta use them. I gotta start making them anyways, mm-hmm. um, so that I can freeze dry what we don't what we don't eat, and then give some to the chickens, because those are good for the chickens, and they could use a little a little pick me up because of the weather. Okay. So that's, I don't know, that's the vibe. Maybe, <laughs> I don't know, what I I just want, I want that kind of soup. And then, like, maybe I'll make, like, a handmade, homemade bread or something. Okay. Just because bread. Yeah. And that's or we'll get a loaf because I don't feel good. <laughs> or do, do what, you know what, you can do what, what I did, lo- I've done, and it's really good, is, like, we go get the, the ready-made pizza dough. And we just turn that into a bread. We turn that into a nice, happy flatbed, flatbread type situation, a focaccia. Or do you want something a little thicker with more tooth? Because if you well, want that, then we'll just roll it up. I don't know. It, I I guess, what is the bread that is like super, super crunchy and hard on the outside, but it's not on the inside? Yeah, those are usually like Dutch ovens breads. Those, yeah, those that's are what I'm those big. Of. Okay, so you just look up a recipe for a Dutch oven bread. You can, if we start that, you know, oh, a little late by this standard, but if you had started it this morning, um, then yeah, you, you'd have it by dinner time. So that's not a big deal. So, but you know, I'm just that's just kind of the way I'm looking at it. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, but yeah, you can do whatever you want for dinner. I mean, it's like grilled cheese sandwiches sound amazing. Not really part of my diet. However, we have keto bread. And so I have low carb bread and I'm just trying to be good. What did I, what did I eat last night? I was good last night. Yeah, I was very good last night. Yeah. I, I just had chicken and spinach. Yeah. So you had one slice of pizza. Yeah. But so. it was homemade, so it wasn't. And it was the one, which one did you have a slice of? The second one. Okay, so then it was more flatbread, anyways, not super, not super bread okay. filled. Yeah, because yeah no, the, no. He rolled the dough out a <laughs> yeah. little too thin. <laughs> well, I was showing her how to do it, and she was she was getting frustrated on the first one, and I was like, "Okay, can I show you how to?" And she was just getting mad, and then saying, "You know, oh, I'm not mad at you. I'm just mad." It's like, okay, you know what? But I'm right here, and you're taking it out on me. Give me the fucking dough. <laughs> so, so I grabbed the dough and let, and rolled it out, and it was like, and and showed her how to do it because she was just trying to form it in the pan. And I'm like, no, just throw flour down on the prep table, mm-hmm. use the rolling pin, flip it over a couple of times, and and roll it out, and then you do the final work in the pan itself. 
And it was like, oh. And so my crust was the first one. Her crust was the second one. So the one that you guys had, that the filled crust, that was mine. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so anyways, yeah. Hope everybody now wants soup because <laughs> now I want soup. So, but I'm just enjoying the hot tea. And uh, thank you for joining us on the afternoon dive on the stupid podcast on everything. This is going to be a special. Um, I'm going to start that over. Thank you for joining us on the afternoon edition or afternoon dive on the stupid podcast on everything where I'm Joey and I'm Kiki and we talk about everything and nothing all at the same time by two people who are on bipolar opposites of knowing how a bill becomes law. (laughs) So we have a special um, series here. It's going to be a multi-part series because there is a bill that was that was um, presented and it didn't gain a lot of traction, but social media has started talking about it and it's starting to pick up traction. I'm really excited about it because it is something I studied from the beginning, looked at it, saw the pros, cons, looked at the people who did the bill. So I, there's so much I'm going to talk about because this, I, I just want to point out that this one bill could fundamentally change everything in our country for I don't want to say better or worse. It fundamentally can change everything because like most bills, there are people who are going to benefit and there are people who are going to suffer from it. And it's important to know who is going to be for it and against it and why and cut through all the media hype. So the bill is HR 25 and I want to read about it and I want to give just the kind of the overview about it so everybody knows and understands a little bit what HR 25 is um, because I feel it's important and let me well let's just let me just ask you this which would you rather have like right now you're still waiting on your 1099 right sure I don't know what that is uh, it's the tax form that you get from spirit uh, having worked there you'll get it from Spencer's uh, since they're the parent company them so that you can do your taxes and see what if any money that you have coming back to you from the money that you already paid out to the federal government in the form of an interest-free loan Okay. your tax return is an interest-free loan to the federal government okay okay so what what you do is at the end of your year, typically, or beginning of the new year, you get a 1099 and that's a form. Nikki got hers and Anna got hers and you're still waiting on yours right now. Um, and that allows you to do your tax return. And when you do your tax return, it says, Hey, you know what? You didn't meet this threshold of income. You have nothing you have to pay in state tax. Okay, cool. But you already had this much withheld in state taxes. So you're going to get all that back. Okay. It's going to be the same thing for the federal government. The federal government, you, there was a withholding. It's a federal withholding. And that federal withholding was a certain amount of money from your income. And now you're going to file and they're going to say, oh, well, you didn't make enough money either. So now you're going to get that money back. Okay. So you knew how much I was getting paid. About how much mm-hmm. would that end up like being for the... Generally about 25% of what your income was for what you were withholding because you were only claiming three on yours. So versus like if you claim nine, that would have like you know, hold the minimum or if you claimed exempt as a student, they wouldn't hold withhold anything. But yours, I believe, was three. And so about 25% of your check was withheld. So think about, you know, 25% of your check coming back to you, your overall income coming back to you. Okay. 
Okay. That's a lot. It is. It's a lot. And it's not only a lot, but it's a lot for you to give an absolute other entity for free. No interest, no nothing. And your dollar has become worth less now. And as it always has, because that's what inflation does, your dollar has become worth less now than it was when you initially made that money. Okay. So they're not just giving you your money back. They're giving you your money back at a reduced value of your dollar. Make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. So now this is what happens. So your 1099 comes in and now you have to go and you have to file your taxes. Now, if you do it yourself on the state and federal level, okay, um, you'll probably burn your head because for most people doing their taxes and filing their taxes is not an easy thing to do. And it's intimidating for a lot of people. There's nothing wrong with that. It's an intimidating thing. Now, your second option, obviously, is to have somebody else doing your taxes for you, right? If you happen to have a boyfriend who knows how to file taxes and knows how to do that stuff, then you can trust your boyfriend and file the taxes. If your boyfriend screws up, though, and you end up going to jail for it, they're not going to take the excuse that your boyfriend messed it up. So just make sure that you're on good standings with your boyfriend, you you know. Haven't upset him for whatever reason. (laughs) Or basically you pay a third party, right? So you have H&R Block, Jackson Hewitt, Liberty Tax. There's a ton of of private people, but those people cost money. None of them are doing it out of the kindness of their heart, and none of them are doing it for free. But there are entire industries that are built on the way that we file our taxes and everything else, right? There's literally um, H&R Block. H&R Block has online tax stuff. There's so many different pieces of software that you can download that say, hey, they'll let you do your federal filing for free. Um, they have to. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, they'll charge you for your state filing. They'll give you a cash advance on your tax return, which they take money out of for doing that. And there's all of these. There's an entire multi, multi multi-billion dollar industry built on it. In fact, um, there is the firm belief with a lot of evidence behind it that's some pretty hard evidence and some of it a little liquidy, a little reachy, that says that it's those companies that are wanting to keep the tax um, the tax system the way that it is. So it's complicated, right? Okay. Um, but then there's other people that are like, well, the tax system benefits the rich and it really does. And it does because the rich hire people that do that for a living to find every little, you know, crack that they can get through to squeeze every penny out of not giving money to the federal government and state and everything that they can and pay as little in taxes as possible, which everybody should do. They just happen to have the money to be able to hire teams to do it. Every single time tax season comes around, everybody's stress level goes up. The suicide rate goes up. It's literally, literally has now surpassed the holidays um, for mental issues um, and stress and anxiety and everything because, you know, people fear taxes. We've come to the point where people are afraid. What if I didn't pay enough? What if I do it wrong? What if I didn't file? So people just don't file. And, you know, oh my gosh, why, why when you file? Well, the majority of people who don't file are people who either didn't make any money, like we lost money, you know, massively, Mm -hmm. um, or people who at the end of the day are just, they, they're actually owed money. That's just, it's not enough to them to stress it. Look, 
if you're going to tell me I'm going to get a four, I'm going to get $400 back, but I'm going to spend $500 filing because I'm going to use this such and such tax service. Why would I file? Because mm-hmm. they're only, I'm only going to be in, in trouble or on the hook for money that I actually owe. Right. And that's, that's the way that people look at it. And it's like, okay, well, if I don't owe the money, then forget it. What's, I don't care. Even if I'm getting 30, 40, hundred bucks back, what is my mental wellness worth to me? Right. Mm-hmm. So, but at the end of the day, what it ends up being is for most people, it's that you are giving a federal government a tax or an interest free loan who's giving you back your money that you paid in. And there's things that people do and, and that, that there's people that get more money back than they pay in. And so, and those people are, it's a federal welfare program in one way or another because they're getting back an earned income credit for a kid, right? Hey, but it's not really a kind of withholding. It's literally, again, it's money that they took that they shouldn't have taken in the first place. And it's like, hey, you know what? You're, you have a kid, so we're going to give you a $2,500 tax break, a $10,000 tax break. Great. My kids cost more than $10,000 a year because they like to eat more than once a week, little jerks, you know. <laughs> And they won't stop growing, so I have to keep buying things for them. So that's that's the way the tax system works now, okay, in mm-hmm. a nutshell. And by April 15th, you have to have filed. It's a big, huge deadline thing. And if you haven't filed by then, then you could look at penalties if you owe money. Okay. okay. So it's not just something that everybody gets in trouble for for not filing it's literally if you owe them money that they start going after you yeah well and here's the thing they're not always right the irs isn't always right like like we can talk about you know our business last year they they literally said that we owed a thousand dollars for a business that made no income no money no had nothing there was no money in it the company was three years old with no no deliverables no serviceable incomes no nothing they sent us a bill it's like no Okay. We're not paying. So how do you get like, because if they're telling you and they're wrong, how do you Mm -hmm. dispute that? That's what filing is for. That's what literally arguing and appealing and everything else is for. And you have to do that with the Internal Revenue Service. And the Internal Revenue Service, you know, is a joke. And for a lot of people and to most of us, the, the Internal Revenue Service is a joke. And to understand that, you need to understand what the Internal Revenue Service actually does. So the IRS, which is the Internal Revenue Service, right, has three main functions as the way that they're set up, okay? Okay. And they're all tax-related, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, they do return processing, they do taxpayer services, and then they do enforcement of tax of taxes, see? Um, but who does the IRS collect that money for? The government? Okay. No, they actually don't. The majority of the money that the IRS, the IRS actually collects does not go to the government. The majority of the money that the IRS collects goes to the Federal Reserve. It's used, utilized to pay the interest on the money that we have printed. So every dollar that we have printed has a debt to it. Okay. Um, okay. We are in what's called a perpetual debt society. The Federal Reserve prints money. We owe a percentage back, and I'll tell you exactly what that is right now. One second. So let let me correct answering that, actually. The number changes. The percentage changes. The Federal Reserve doesn't print anything for free. It's a a private company. It's no more federal than Federal Express. Um, 
So it's a private entity that prints money for the federal government to distribute and allocate out. Um, and then that is pr printed at a debt. Um, currently, it's around 13%. It goes higher, it goes lower. Um, it's never an actual flat rate, even though we're told it's a flat rate. It isn't because the Federal Reserve is who controls the interest rates. And by controlling the interest rates, they control the level of debt that, that the federal government owns for every dollar that's printed. So the majority of the money that the IRS is collecting is actually going back to repay that debt to the Federal Reserve. But the problem is this. If I lend, if I am the sole lender of equity to you, if let's say I'm the only producer of corn, okay? Okay. And I tell you that I am going to give you a hundred kernels of corn. Okay? They don't regrow. They, you can't plant them and regrow them. You're going to have a hundred kernels of corn. I'm going to give you these hundred kernels of corn, but at the end of the year, you owe me 113 kernels of corn. That's stupid. But I'm the only person that gives you corn. And you need that corn. Because that corn is your currency. So okay. no matter how much I print, I'm always owed a percentage back. Okay? That money has to come back. And so that money comes back in the form of taxes. And we get taxed basically illegally where our taxation system is unconstitutional on the 16th amendment, which we'll be talking about later. 16th amendment of the constitution um, was ratified because of that. Um, literally there's a beautiful story behind that. And it's part of, part of what's important here to understand. Basically right now, the truth is taxation is theft. It is theft in a big way. And it wasn't always this way. We were never supposed to be set up like this. The ta federal taxes, you know, understand the IRS. There was no IRS at one point. That's crazy to think about. Yeah. There was no end of the year taxes. The end of the year, you know, was just the end of the year. It was a season. And now we sit and we have this complicated tax system where they carefully slowly and methodically are taking money from you and that money is taxed upon being taxed upon being taxed upon being taxed so that every dollar you make has been taxed multiple times and for you will be taxed multiple times because if you take that dollar right and you go out and you spend that dollar you're going to pay taxes on it Right. If you buy if you buy a car, you have to pay taxes on that car. You buy a boat, you pay taxes on that boat. Mm -hmm. You pay perpetual taxes on property taxes for your house. You continually pay taxes on things that you've already paid taxes for. You know, how crazy is it to think like, OK, so you buy your cell phone, right? Mm -hmm. You buy your cell phone and your cell phone costs a thousand dollars. Now we have a nine percent tax rate out here. OK, so your cell phone costs a thousand ninety dollars. OK. Okay. So imagine if you got a bill every year for that cell phone and you had to pay additional taxes on that cell phone every year, but you already bought the cell phone. You already paid taxes on it. Does that seem fair? No. Okay. If you buy something, it should be yours. Mm -hmm. Right. Or it's not, right? Uh -huh. If you owe taxes on it, because what happens if you don't pay taxes on it? They can and take it from you. That's... That doesn't make any sense. The only time that you should have to pay somebody after, you know, you initially get it is if it's like you're paying and 
payments for mm-hmm. it. That's the only way that financing. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And and financing is voluntary, right? Yeah. It's 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 nothing to your throat. There's no threat of jail. There's no gun at the end of end end of pointing at you saying that you have to finance it, right? Uh-huh. That is your voluntary choice. Perfect. I love that you brought that up. Thank you so much. That is awesome <laughs> that you actually brought that up, okay? Because that's a fair system. A fair system is you buy something, you pay a tax on it, it's done, right? If you finance it, that financing, they're going to say, hey, well, you're going to be paying the taxes on this on the finance rate. Okay, that's fair. That's something you decide, yeah. right? Okay, average average finance rate for a credit card right now, if you decide to utilize a credit card, credit cards, the average APR for a credit card right now, I believe in the U.S. is 22.6%, Okay. 22.6 uh, 22.6% APR is the average for a credit card. It can vary depending on, you know, who's issuing the card, the issuance of the card, who the backer is on the cards, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. But the average right now is 22.6%. I looked it up this morning. <laughs> so, okay. okay. So that said, that is a voluntary additional payment that you agree to make, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, let me ask you something. Do you think it's fair that your employer had to pay taxes on the money that you earned and now you have to pay taxes on the money that you've earned and then you have to go out and whatever you have to spend that money on, somebody else has to pay taxes on that money and that goes to a perpetual cycle? Yeah, it, I've always thought that that's weird. I feel like there should only be taxes on like either mm-hmm. getting paid or buying things because otherwise it doesn't make sense. Sure. Absolutely. Because think about this. Let's 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 go with this. Let's say that you work at a real estate company. Okay. You work at a real estate company and let's just put you as a receptionist. Nothing difficult, nothing hard. I mean, it's it's a good job and obviously it's something that's needed. But your job is you take phone calls. Now, the company that you work for buys and sells homes. Okay. Mm -hmm. And in that you buy a home. Right. And you pay taxes on that home. Uh-huh. Your company that you work for sold you that home. OK. OK. So they helped you get the financing on that home. Now they're paying you at part of the money that they're paying you is the money that you paid in buying that home okay. that they're paying your salary in. OK. So you bought that home and you pay taxes on that and it goes to the company. That company gets the money. The company gets the money and the company has to pay taxes on the money that you paid the company. And then the company pays you, but the company pays you withholding taxes because they have to withhold taxes for taxes that you have to pay on the very money that you spent to buy your house. So the more times it goes around in a circle, the more money is flying off of that off off of that circle. Right. And it's going to the IRS and the IRS is utilizing the, the majority of that funding and they tell you, oh, it's for roadways. It's for this. No, it's not. No, it isn't. No, it's not. Um, the majority of that funding is going to pay the debt to the Federal Reserve. Anybody who does the research and looks at it and sees where it goes to knows that that's the actual way the numbers do. There are Republicans and Democrats hate hate that statement. They want to try to argue it, but but it's 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 not the majority of that money. Right. In the trillions of dollars 
goes back to the Federal Reserve and is still printed at a perpetual debt. That's why we have a debt. That's why we have to keep raising our debt ceiling because the federal government runs out of money. How does the federal government run out of money if we have taxes that are going up every year? Because the federal government isn't getting that money. Okay? Just, okay. <laughs> it is, it's confusing. It's, it's stressing. It creates headaches for most people. And it's designed to do just that. And why? Because then you stop looking. Then you go click on something that's a clickbaity thing sitting over on the side of whatever it is or on whatever side of whatever the video is. The problem is you have idiots like me. Idiots like me who look at that and go, oh, this is fun. I want to find this and I want to find the loop. Now, I gave you a nice tight example of that loop in you working for a real estate company. Uh-huh. But that loop is actually so much bigger, right? That loop is huge and it can go around so much. Like think about we buy stuff from Walmart. You've never worked at Walmart. No. I've never worked at Walmart, but we buy things at Walmart and that Walmart is sales tax and that Walmart isn't, isn't producing jack shit. Yeah. They're getting all their stuff from other companies, other smaller businesses who are doing the exact same small loops millions and millions and millions and millions of times over every single day. So see, this is where things start to like, I can't because the scale gets so big. I Mm -hmm. can't think I, I can't comprehend what's, going on like i don't understand i can't fathom that much money Mm -hmm. okay and and even but even even we took it down to like i said you know a hundred kernels of corn right we make it smaller you see that there's a problem with the system where somebody who isn't part of that circle of your money is taking your money and the only way that the federal government would be able to repay that debt is to give the irs or give the give the federal reserve more money than the Federal Reserve printed, which can never happen, right? Because the money's not going to them. Huh? I said because the money's not going to them. Because it's not going to the federal government. It's going to the Federal Reserve. Okay. okay. So, and so this creates the problem. And so our federal government runs out of money and our federal government borrows. And we do overseas. We have bonds that overseas comp- companies, countries, corporations get involved in. And we just create more and more and more debt. Okay. The U.S. cannot maintain our current, as as a country, our current credit rating. Just can't happen. And at some point, it's going to collapse in the cycle that we're doing. But there is a congressman out of Georgia who started a bill and started it in 2019. And I... I'll, I'll talk about him, you know, as to, but him as a person, I'm not a fan of, he's got, he's got views. I want, I want to, I want to preface this that I don't agree with you and I both agree, make drugs legal, right? Um, we, we just said, just, just legalize it. If you're not going to create victims of other people, do whatever you want to do. You're going to, you're going to kill every, everybody. I mean, people are going to kill themselves. This is one of those congressmen who believes that, you know, marijuana is a gateway drug and, I have enough pothead friends and enough stoner friends that I can tell you that number one, marijuana is generally a gateway drug to more marijuana. 
Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> like more and better types of, of weed, period. Yeah, people um, that do the harder drugs, they've always wanted to do them. Yeah. It's not a, oh, well, I, now I did marijuana, time to do the rest. <laughs> there I am smoking a joint. Hey, how'd this needle get in my arm? <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, right. And that's that's exactly saying that marijuana is a gateway drug is the same way as saying that beer is a gateway alcohol. You know, that you, um, uh, the lottery is a gateway gambling you know, yes. Is it going to be problems for some people? Yeah. But, you know, y- you they can't were have those problems with they were introduced to that or not. Yeah. And, and that's exactly it. And there's so there's there's a huge argument this, but he stood on the floor literally in one of one of the sessions when I was trying to figure out who he was, um, did not match the visual I had for this guy because I was literally reading about him <laughs> before anything else. Um, so th- the the guy is uh, he is. Earl Buddy, or he's uh, <laughs> Earl Buddy Carter, is is the guy's name. Okay? okay, so Earl Buddy Carter was a pharmacist, and I was like, oh, well, that explains why he's so against drugs, because he used to sell drugs. Uh-huh. <laughs> and we already have our viewpoints with pharmacists. The pharmacists in the medical industry, they're you know want to create patients. They don't want to create cures because cures will put them out of business. Uh huh. It's the same thing with the tax, with the way that taxes are set up, because taxes are set up to make things difficult. And because of it, industries have been built around it. Okay, so there was what was called a flat tax. And this that was proposed a long time ago. Okay, and flat tax was a good idea, poorly implemented. And what it basically said was everything that you got, you paid a certain amount of taxes over that. And a portion of that went to the state. A portion of that went to the federal government, and that was it, right? Uh-huh. People didn't want it. People didn't like it. People in the tax industry, especially, didn't like it. Accounting accountants didn't like it. Imagine what kind of imagine what kind of fallout you have if Suddenly there's no taxes. Everybody can do the math, right? Because it's the same. What if you, as an employee, were able to say, "Hey, I worked this many hours this week at this rate of pay." Your boss approves it, or has somebody who approves it says, "Yep, that's exactly what you did." There's your check. That's it. End of story. Done. Yeah, this would take away a lot of jobs. Mm-hmm. And so there's people that don't like it. There's people who like redundancies in government. We have Department of Fish and Game, Department of Wildlife, you know, and uh, Department of Forestry. And honestly... They don't need to be three separate departments at all. They do not in any way, stra- any way, shape, or form, right? And so in that, it's not the people on the ground that would suffer. It's not the people on the ground who would need fewer jobs. It's the administrative jobs, the, the management jobs that would start, that would be the ones that go bye-bye first. And so that freaks people out. Oh, don't do that. No, that's fine. We, we need the people on the ground. They're the, they're the freaking cashiers, uh-huh. <laughs> right? What we don't need is we don't need, you know, 92 HR managers and we don't, or, you know, what, however many HR managers, we don't need hundreds of accountants because suddenly there's no tax system. Uh-huh. And that was the the premise behind the flat tax. And but the problem with the flat tax was it still allowed for perpetual perpetual taxation. Okay. Okay. Because here it was. If it's a flat tax, think about this. It doesn't matter what I'm buying. I could buy it brand new at the store, or I could buy it on Houston. eBay. Okay. Okay. I could I could go and I could buy it. Um, you know, third party, whatever it is, a flat tax is a flat tax. It literally was set up in such a way. The first original presentation of it meant that if I had a garage sale, I had to actually have a flat tax 
that I was charging people at the garage sale and had to pay for that at the end of the garage sale. Okay, yeah, that's weird. But... Right. So it so it kind of makes it not make sense because it kind of just puts, a, in, instead of putting more steps, it just puts different steps into it, right? Flat uh-huh. tax was, was not any way that it should have been. So, so I'm, I'm just going to call him Buddy. <laughs> okay. So, so Buddy saw this. And so Buddy in 2019 said, hey, I got a better idea. And so he introduced um, Bill H.R. 25. Okay. So H.R. 25 um, is basically, it's called the Fair Act Tax. Okay. Um, and in 2019, it didn't go anywhere. In 2021, it was because it doesn't just disappear, you know, in order for it, just just so you understand, um, in order for this to happen, it would have to become a law and a bill becomes a law. And some people watch Schoolhouse Rock, Andy, <laughs> since sent me the video on what he knows about it, um, on how a bill becomes law. And it's 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 only a few steps. It's just like half a dozen. Um, but. It has to be created, right? Obviously, the bill gets created by House or Senate or, you know, whoever's doing it, the sponsor of the bill. They have to create the bill and the bill is then submitted to Congress. Okay. Okay. Congress then has what's called a committee action. Committee action is they form a committee. The committee looks at the bill. They go over the bill, pros, cons, everything else. And then from there, it goes to the floor and from, from the floor. It's presented. It's presented with people being able to give the pros and cons of it, the pluses and minuses and, and, you know, everything in between it. Okay, so a whole bunch of little fun jargon stuff. And then it goes to a vote. Okay, and if it passes on the vote or it doesn't pass on the vote, it still has to go through more committees. Okay. Okay. So in in a congressional a congressional bill then has to go it's let's let's say it's voted and it's approved and then it goes to the Senate the Senate goes and they approve it then it goes to the president the president the president then signs it and guess what it becomes of the law and the law becomes becomes there but a bill can also become the law if it's it's weird um a president can literally at any point, the president of the United States could grab the bill and sign the bill into law in any parts of these steps. It's called an executive action. Okay. Okay. So, um, and we know that because most presidents do that. They'll just sign yeah. a bill in, in, into it. Um, and it's, it's perfect. It's, it's real simple. It's, it's, the, it's the way that it goes. So if something is a bill and the president says, holy crud, this is a great bill, they'll sign it into law. Okay. Presidents can also sign crappy bills into law, and we've seen that on both sides, and we've seen that through the years, right? So, but the Fair the Fair Tax Act of 2021, which is, again, when it was submitted, said, hey, you know what? This, this is basically what we want to do. We want to impose a 23% tax rate, all-encompassing 23% tax rate, a sales tax rate, for new items. Okay, so they f- fixed the weird mm-hmm. part about it. Okay, so yeah, the and I'll, I'll read it here. It says, the bill imposes a national sales tax on the use or consumption in the United States of taxable properties and service in lieu of the current taxes, payroll taxes, and estate taxes, and gift taxes that are already in place. Okay, the 
the rate of sales tax will be 23%. Now, proponents of this, I'll let you know, will we'll say, you know, that's, a, that's the number. Opponents of this say, well, no, it's closer to 30%. So for the sake of this and for the sake of the rest of this, and if anybody didn't listen to this, then they're going to whine about it, what I say later. But for the sake of this, let's just go to 30%. 30% is easy, and 30% is more probable what the rate is going to be. Okay? So, the great thing about it is that there are exemptions from the tax, and those exemptions are used properties, intangible properties, things, uh, services, items and services purchased for business, export, and investment purposes um, for state, you know, and, and governmental functions. Okay? Okay. All right. So, have I lost you in all of this yet? <laughs> I'm I'm trying to keep up. Okay. So so let me ask you this again because this is the little side note that's really important to understand. The way that this this sets up, it says that the federal government is now no longer going to have you know any other ways or means that they're going to be getting money from people other than the percentage, a percentage, an agreed to percentage of this 30%. Okay? okay? And you're only going to have to pay it on new items that are not food. Okay. New items that are not, <clears throat> excuse me, intangible properties. You know, if you want to go and get a new car and you want to spend $100,000 on a car, you're going to spend $130,000 on a car sale price. Okay. Okay. And the government gets to figure that out. If you are going to buy a vehicle for your business, new or used, you're not going to pay sales tax on it. Okay? Okay. It's fair use tax. Okay? And for some people, they're like, oh my gosh, you know what that's going to do the price of fuel? And I and I ask people, do you know what percentage you're paying on your fuel right now in taxes? <laughs> Shh. Do your numbers. Come back to me and say, sorry. It's, it's a moot point. It really is. And somebody's going to go out and go do the numbers and be like, well, well it's, it's only like 19, 20%. Yes, except that of, of that amount... The company that's doing it and producing it had to pay that tax that tax rate, and all those numbers are there. So there's there's a lot of economical impact economic impact of this, and I and I want to go through these, and so I don't want you to be bored with it, but I want you to understand that you want the our federal government was making money before taxes, <clears throat> and our federal government, which kept us strong. Before it was bipartisan, I mean, not bipartisan, excuse me, before it was two party, a two party system that just hated each other and voted the opposite down the line, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Our federal government made money. Our oh. federal, our federal government. And that's that's the beautiful question, right? Because people were like, well, how did our federal government make money before the IRS and everything else? The majority of the government money that our federal government made before 1913, which helped keep our com- country strong, which understand that we had a strong industrial complex, right, was through tariffs. And tariffs, you know, because that's... Oh, go ahead and ask the question. <laughs> well, I know what a tariff is. Okay, Isn't what, it a tax me. on imported or exported goods? Yeah. 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 Literally, uh, mostly imported, right? Uh-huh. Um, why are Chinese products so cheap? Um, because they don't have a high tariff on their stuff yeah so what the federal government did was they made them within 10 percent of each other or a certain percentage depending on what the item was so that people were encouraged so that the the thought of hey 
I can buy this item and it's coming from this impoverished nation, right? Uh-huh. That is utilizing basically slave labor, if not actually utilizing slave labor, uh-huh. right? Or I can buy American. I'll spend a few percent more for the items, but I'll know that I'm supporting American jobs. And hey, my husband works an American job. My wife works an American job. My partner works an American job. So I'm going to support an American job, right? Uh-huh. It's like, okay, makes total and complete sense. And so tariffs produced the majority of the income for the federal government. And the federal government was able to utilize that money to not only operate, but to allocate funding out to states for different needs and, and ways and measures. Well, federal Emergency Management Agency, right? FEMA. If a national disaster, na- uh, national disaster is declared, emergency is declared because of a hurricane or a tornado. That money that's coming in is coming in from the federal government. Well, now that money comes in from taxes, but that money would have come in from tariffs. And in that, you would have built a stronger industrial section of the U.S., right? And you would have, and you would have, um, you know, fewer things that were being imported, but those items would still be there. But what we've done now is because we've lifted those tariffs and the rates are so low. Why did we do that, though? Well, special interest. Literally. It was lobbied. And you, you can follow, follow the money. It, it's, it's just no other way to put it. No, it's both sides. You know, it was literally both sides. Both sides take special interest money. And so both sides are wrong. And that's, that's the problem with a bill like this, is this bill now has to be approved by both sides that have people on both sides who fight from both sides and tell you why this bill is a horrible thing. Why a flat tax was a horrible thing. Why getting rid of tariffs, you know, was a good thing. Why? Because companies from different countries were lobbying it. They're doing PACs and super PACs. And they were able, you know, they're able to to fund people's campaigns while making it difficult as heck to figure out who's funding the campaign. That's why. So tariffs have... They're a small percentage of our income anymore. Those tar- tariffs cannot support our federal government. It's Period. Stupid. Right. It is a hundred percent stupid, and we can say, you know, whatever, whatever we want. But the bottom line is, tariffs are gone, basically. You know, so where it used to be over sixty-three. It was yeah. It was like sixty. Five percent was something like that. I'm not going to look it up right now. People can look it up. It's a lot of the information I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you, and I want you to look it up. I want people to look this stuff up. But over sixty-five percent of the income that our federal government was making back then was through tariffs and excise, which excise taxes, which is you know things like that, and and they were making that income, and so people had tax rate. We talk about boomers, and you know, oh, boomer this and boomer that, but. Yeah, boomers didn't have these extra taxes that you and I have. You and I get earn a dollar that we don't get a dollar for, right? Mm-hmm. And then that dollar is taxed. And then whatever we go and buy is taxed. And anything extra that we buy is taxed. So, you know, it's absolutely, you know, insane to think about the number of taxes that we have. But the government likes it. The lobbyists like it. The Those... Because it creates entire industries. And when and here it is. If I hand you a dollar, I'm giving you a dollar. There's one step, right? Uh-huh. 
Now, either I give you that dollar or I don't give you that dollar. Now, if we have a third person that's in here and I hand them the dollar to hand to you, do you think they're going to do that for free? No. No, they're going to take a part of that dollar, right? Now, if I go to hand you a dollar and it goes through a hundred people, no, let's, let's make it easy. And it goes through 99 people who all just want a penny of that dollar. How much do you have of that dollar that I gave you? A penny. While everybody else took a penny from you. We have so many redundancies in our federal government right now that it just creates this problem. Okay. So the first thing that the, that the fair, fair, uh, fair tax act does is it eliminates all of those extra hands reaching out and grabbing a piece of that dollar on its way to you. Okay. Okay. And so now who wants that to happen? The people. You, the person who wants that dollar. Yeah. Who doesn't want that to happen? The people whose jobs are to figure out and to give the money to other people. The other 99 people who are taking your money on the way down, right? Uh-huh. They don't want you. They, they don't want you to take that money. But here's the thing. For every dollar they're making, it's doing the same thing. So you have so many extra steps, right? Because... That person that's going to hand the next person that's going to hand the next person that's going to hand the next person isn't just grabbing your dollar. They're doing a bunch of people's like that and a bunch of people are doing that to them. Okay, so the way that the the Fair Tax Act is set up and the way that it's orchestrated and believe me, I've read this thing. I've read this thing cover to cover. I'm going to read it again um, before we do our next part. Because I want to make sure that I'm not missing anything. So if I suddenly change my viewpoint, <laughs> you'll understand why. But, you know, the, the, the first thing this is made to do is simplify it. It doesn't eliminate the Federal Reserve. So it doesn't eliminate the people who, you know, are printing our money at a debt. And we can talk about that in a definite, have a big, long discussion about that in a separate episode. Um, but what it does is it eliminates the need for the IRS it eliminates the need for accountants. It eliminates the need for payroll taxes and payroll tax companies. And it eliminates the need to have a lot of these people who are taking their hands out between you and there on purchases. It eliminates the Internal Revenue Service. So the people who are fighting against it are all those people. Those people are putting out information and they're putting out disinformation. And they, that really is disinformation. The, but in essence, what the Fair Tax Act says, hey, I'm going to give you a dollar. Okay. But you're going to lose 30 cents of it if you buy something that's qualifying to that. But I'm giving you a dollar and you have a dollar. That's your dollar. Okay. Okay. You will pay. It's, it's a Fair Tax Act. So you will only pay on the things that you need that you're going to use and only if they're new. This bill... Should be so exciting to look, Andrea Casio Cortez. She's the biggest environmental person that we have, you know, in in government, in federal government, uh-huh. right? And and mostly because of she's great at PR, um, and both sides utilize her in different ways, right? And Republicans love to make fun of her. Hey, the girl's got ideals. I I I some of her stuff, brain not on, right? But uh-huh. that's fine. She's got opinions about it, but she's more likely to change her mind. If you sit there and say, Hey, look, we're looking at this. This is the way it's going to be. And it's a better idea. Holy crud. 
the people who aren't supporting this are the same people who aren't supporting term limits for Congress and the Senate. Makes and those are the sense. people that were that were asking to to pass this bill. So without this bill gaining traction in a big way, it's going to disappear. And we're going to keep being screwed. So the only way that this works, and this is part of the reason we're doing this as a multi-part series, and we're going to cover this, you know, heavy, is getting the word out, making this viral, making this something that they can't ignore. I don't care about gender fluidity issues. I don't care about the legalization or illegalization of weed. I don't care about 90% of the things that were put that are put out like we're supposed to be worried about. You know what? You want to think of the children, you want to think of the environment, you want to think of of our future and the strength of our country. You want to think about our ability to have a strong defensive force. You want to think about our ability to be able to create a society that legally allows people to immigrate and with a proper expedience and the ability to handle, you know, the, the increased income of fair labor and wages, then you need to look at this bill. This should be a bill that all of us get behind. And we're going to talk more about it, but I just I want to leave this here and understand this, that I'm going to have the link up. It's going to be here for our podcast. That's going to have the FAIR Act of 20, uh, 2021. I'm going to talk more about Buddy, the next section, but I'm also going to talk more about what the bill is good about, what's good about the bill, what's bad about the bill, and understanding what we can do, you know, because no bill is perfect, and this bill is not perfect, and the thought of putting millions of people out of work is never a great thing but you know what curing cancer will put millions of people out of work mm -hmm. this is a financial cancer that we have the ability to cure and people will be able to adapt and change to not having their jobs being to jab needles in people's arms and suck the life out of them so that said Tomorrow will be part two. Our mornings will just be our mornings. So if, you, if you're here for the lighter side of things, I understand. Go to our mornings. But we're going to cover this and we're going to get this out and we're going to do everything we can. And I ask you to share it, to share this podcast, to make any animations, any little things about it, anything you want. I don't care. Put it wherever you want. We're going to do everything we can to get this out because as much as I don't agree with some of the things that Buddy says, he's got this one right. And so in this, I hope we can agree. And this has been the Stupid Podcast on Everything's Afternoon Dive, where I am Joey. And I'm Geeky. And we thank you guys so much and understand that that which does not kill you is going to be really upset with what we do next. Peace out with your peace out. Bye.